We're talking movies. We're talking 1981's Galopoli. Written by David Williamson. Adapted from the novel Tell England by author Ernest Raymond. Starring a very young Mel Gibson, Mark Lee, and directed by Peter Will. Sorry, Peter Weir. So Chris, the thing I can't stand about you, mate, is you're always so bloody cheerful. Supposed to shoot the enemy, mate, not bite him. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of How'd You Like That Movie. Today we're going to be doing the 1981 Australian film Gallipoli. Uh, we specifically picked this film uh, out of a, a list of about four uh, because here in Canada we have a November 11th coming up which is Remembrance Day. Uh, Remembrance Day is observed uh, November 11th in Canada to recall the end of hostilities for the First World War in 1918. Hostil- hostilities formally ended at the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month. So we decided to pick a World War I film, and specifically one that does not glorify war. Uh, this isn't, I wouldn't say that Gallipoli is specifically an anti-war film itself, but it definitely has an anti-war message to it. So Scott, if you don't mind, take us away. Okay, to start, I would like to read the synopsis of this movie. Yeah, go ahead. Because this is, the, to be honest, the first time I've ever heard of this movie when you sent it to me. Two Australian sprinters face the brutal realities of war when they are sent to fight in the Gallipoli campaign in Turkey during World War I. So, Chris, where was this movie, and why didn't I watch it? Where, where was this movie? <laughs> yes. What do you mean? I, I knew about the sprint. I saw the sprinters, but where were the, the, um, like the realities of war? The war was the last 30 minutes of that movie. Yeah, absolutely. Because, well, it's not just the war. It's about... Specifically, I would say with the First World War, and again, I've talked about this uh, in our other podcasts, I am not an expert on on military history. Uh, I have just a basic understanding. Uh, My great-grandfather fought in the First World War. My grandfather was at Normandy during the Second World War. I served in the military. My sister served in the military. So I have a, a basic understanding. So to your question, this film is about, first off, the excitement that the Australians and a lot of a lot of nations had prior to the first world war, it was going to be the great adventure and they were going to go beat the Germans. And if you were Germans, like in an all quiet on the Western front, they specifically talk about, you know, for Kaiser and and fatherland, and they're going to go and they're going to beat the British and it's it's going to be fun and blah, blah, blah. And so Gallipoli has that, right? It starts out with like uh, Mel Gibson's character is kind of really not into it. He thinks it's kind of stupid to go uh, fight for the English, especially because they're Australian. Um, but of course, all the other lads are going and then, you know, they go off and then they get shipped out to Egypt. And so you you get to just see how it's being kind of treated as this very romanticized uh, event. And then they get into the Gallipoli Heights and it's Gallipoli, not Gallopoli. <laughs> it's not where the turtles are from. Um, <clears throat> and they basically just watch their friends die and for nothing and with bad, you know, military planning. Uh, because, you know, a bunch of people can't set their watches properly. And just that the travesty of war and how uh, the people who fight wars and the people that have wars affect them, they never come out. It's never, it, there's never, there's no success in war. So, um, but that's why I said it's, 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 a, it's a film about war or it has war as a backdrop, but it's not specifically an anti-war film. Like, for example, 
uh, All Quiet on the Western Front by Lewis uh, Millstone from the, the 1930s. It's based on a book as well, uh, is, is an anti-war film. And that's actually one of the reasons it was, it was banned throughout Germany with the, when Adolf Hitler came into power and stuff like that. And it was also banned in France as well because they didn't want, um, oh, sorry, any of those films were kind of banned in those countries because of their anti-war sentiment. So... I don't know. Did I answer your question there? Like, for I'll be honest. Like this movie, it took a lot for me to even keep my interest in it. Okay. Right. Like, I I found the pacing slow, um, and especially when it's like reading the synopsis and then reading about it, it's all about the war, and and then only getting to the war in a two-hour movie, and the last thirty minutes is actually them in the war facing it, and. yeah, like I didn't, I didn't understand the motivations. Sorry, whose motivations? Either. Like, are, are we talking about the characters? Motivations? Yeah, the characters' motivations, like Mark Lee's, um, who played Arthur, I yep. believe that was his name. Okay, so he's a young lad. You know, he has a promising career being a sprinter. You know, he's he's his legs are stale. In springs, and he's gonna be fast as a leopard. Faster than a leopard. Now show me, show me. That is, man, you actually do a worse Australian accent than me. So that's, I'm, I'm, I'm not even upset. I'm mostly impressed. <laughs> but, and then all of a sudden it's like I'm not going back. I'm going to the war. No, no, no. He was gonna go anyway, but he was too young, right? So he basically, and then he gets so he he wants to go. His grandfather's like, don't be stupid. You know, I'm not gonna help you. Then he gets to the the race and he sees the I think they're the the, the, the light horse yeah. the light the light light horse shows up uh, regiment and he's just like that's it fuck it I'm going man like I am gonna go for 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 king and country uh, I'm gonna go fight for Australia and you know like uh, there's a line in there it's like, like oh who started the war the the Germans I, it must have been the Germans or whatever they started it you know what I mean yeah um, like well who st- yeah he goes he goes what are you doing he's like I'm or what do you want to do? I want to go fight the Germans. Why? And then because like, they started it. He, they're like because of the war. And he goes, "What? Who, like who started the war?" He's like, "I don't know, but it must have been the Germans." Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, like so the motivation of these soldiers is again they're they're young and they're impressionable, like so many wars that will have come before and will come after, and they get kind of sucked into this idea of adventure. But the reality is not adventure. The reality is like death and your friends dying for piles of rock that like this battle specifically, uh, it was, it's like a, it's, it, it, it's basically a mark of like Australia fighting kind of as a, as its own country or the Australian and the New Zealand soldiers. Um, but also the like loss of life for nothing. Like it, there, it wasn't a great strategic value. They lost a bunch of people in really bad military planning. Like it was just, um, I guess it would be like the Somme, uh, which is another big, you know, loss of life that happened, but except on the Western front. Right. So, um, what I like, again, like what I like about this film is it's not just a, it's not a war film. It talks about how, how young people get wrapped up in, you know, nationalism and fighting for a nation state and how at the very end all there is is as like i said death and that's it like only the only the i think plato said you know only the dead have seen the end of war yeah like i get what you're saying but like to me and i could just be stupid right but i didn't get that out of anything it was just literally like there should have been a counterpoint mel gibson's character who the guy who didn't want to go to war but then kind of gets talked into it yeah Right, 
And the whole, even when he's at war, he doesn't want to fight. That's why he wants to be the runner. Yeah, he basically tries to like talk himself out of get like out of combat as much as possible. Yeah, because he's supposed to be like the sensible one, right? Well, not only that, he if, from what I understand, the whole reason he was against it too was because his one of his relatives were killed by the English or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah. Because I think I think Australia has like a large Irish population, and so a lot of their family back in Ireland would have been persecuted by the English when they controlled the whole of Ireland, right? Yeah, like, but, so, and that was the thing, I believed, like, Mark Lee was going to be the main character, but he, like, once they get into the army, you don't see him again till like, the... Um, well, when, when they meet up again, right? When they're doing like the war game, right? <laughs> in the desert, in the, and and then they're like, they're like, bring the stretcher bearers, and everybody's like, oh, oh, I'm dead too, and they yeah. just all fall over. Yeah, they're like, yeah, yeah, just not. Yeah. Okay, okay. Like, so outside of the like, you know, whether you understood the like historical context or whatever. So you, what you're saying is you, you didn't feel like the director or the or the the picture itself showed enough motivation of the the why they're going to combat. Yeah, like to me, it was literally, and I don't know if that this was the point, but its um, main character is literally racing to his death, and Mel Gibson's trying to avoid his death as much as possible. And which, if the climax of the movie, this thing's going to be forty years old, so whatever. Yeah, spoiler if Mel, alert! They raced each other, and that's how they became friends, but. Mark Lee's character was a slight bit faster bit faster so if technically they did reverse the roles like it was supposed to be yep Mark Lee would have gotten to there to the commander to stop the fight stop the fight but Mel Gibson was just a tad slow yep but Mel Gibson was also a stand-up runner right so maybe Mark wouldn't have had that slight advantage because he he would have had to do it from a stand-up standing up position you know what I mean because remember, Mark always does like a sprinter's yeah. stance or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, and there you, there could be some truth in what you're saying about like the 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 way that story progresses. And that could be because in like 1981, like this is a big battle for Australia. And Australia, the, the people in Australia might have a better idea of that history than we do not being Australian. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I get it. I get it. It's like... Um... But like, and and that's the thing. Like, I like the director. I I like Peter Weir. Like, so, I like Truman Show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk like, about Peter I Weir like, a bit. So he did. He worked with Mel Gibson again on the Year of Living Dangerously, which, which is a good movie. Have you seen it? Yeah. Is it good? Yeah. Him and Sigourney Reaver. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Dead Poet Society. Amazing. The Truman Show. Amazing. Master Commander, Far Side of the World. Like amazing. Yeah, like fantastic, fantastic work. Uh, he actually worked with the same uh, cinematographer, Russell Boyd, uh, on the. He, again, worked with him again on The Year of Living Dangerously. Worked with him again on Master and Commander. Uh, but the same cinematographer did uh, Crocodile Dundee, Liar Liar, and Ghost Rider. So, you know, really prolific uh, yeah, DOP. You got two out of three there. Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you, I mean, it was... How did you like it other than the the story aspect that you felt like didn't... Like, did you, in, did you enjoy it? Or did, like you said, it sounded a bit hard for you to, like, stay engaged in the film? Yeah, like, it, it was, like... The whole, yeah, it was just like, I think just watching films too, like I I, figured, I pretty much knew where this film was progressing, right? Like, because this kid was in such a fucking hurry to get to the war 
that you know he's just like rushing to his death, right? Mm-hmm. And then like the whole crossing the desert because they didn't want to wait two weeks for like the bus or whatever the fuck it was. The train. Yeah. And then the only thing I got out of it too is the only reason like Mel Gibson's character kind of flipped and signed up was because he wasn't getting any attention from the ladies. That's right. Like, well, there's a whole line about like, hey, I heard women like like a man in uniform. And then he says to his buddy, you know, uh, I don't even know if it'll help. Like, it won't even help you, like, because you're so ugly. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, and then, yeah, the same thing with the, I guess it was supposed to be the comedy relief thing, too, where they have the, his buddies, like, the background characters were, had that statue. And yep. they're like, you oh, yeah, yeah, off. yeah. And then, <laughs> then Mel Gibson's just, like, fucking the place up. And then once they leave, the guy's like, oh, wait, no, that was the shop I bought it from. Yeah, it was the wrong shop. Yeah. Um, and, again, I think that this is very typical of a First World War movie is because this – depending on the war there's and depending on what nation you're from uh you're gonna have a different story right like often the the american vietnam story is the draft being forced to go uh world war ii if you're in england it's you know you're you're fighting to protect england from the lufafa or you're on a landing craft you know saving private ryan at d-day um so so they all have a different way they tell that story in the first world war again i'm just going to rehash this one more time is that story of no one knew the the first world war was a totally different it became a totally different war than anybody had known uh the like it was again it was that's why they consider it like the first world war um like trench warfare just like mass slaughter you know like 50,000 people dying in one day just this crazy thing but it all started with this like fervent nationalism and like again young young people from around the world were going to go show the other guy that you can't push us around, even though like, like Australia, Canada, like wasn't like anybody was invading our countries, but for queen and country off we went, like we lost an entire, you know, generation of Newfoundlanders from uh, the blue Petit who went and, you know, fought in Flanders and stuff like that. And were just like massacred, you know what I mean? So world war one was supposed to be the war that end all wars, but it did not. <laughs> With every good thing, there's always a sequel. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Uh, so I really like this quote about, I mean, this kind of encapsulate my position on this film. Uh, Martin Chilton of the Daily Telegraph, the UK version. He said, one of the most elegant anti-war films ever made. And I, I would say that like it is, it's very beautiful. It has some fantastic cinematography. I think one of the reasons the pacing might feel a bit off is it's kind of a drama with a war as a backdrop instead of like a war drama you know what i mean like you said like the war is the place they get to opposed to the thing they're in you know what i mean like in saving private ryan i think the opening scenes are the well there's that little like you know part where in the future and then he's like memorize you know goes back in time and then it's like bang landing crafts right yeah. so uh or platoon when they 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 come off the they come off the cargo plane and they're in they're in they, the, the the heat and the 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 death kind of hits them like or even Apocalypse Now, you know what I mean? So a lot of this film is getting to the war. You know, whoa, whoa, whoa. Actually, you know what? I'm going to just stop myself for a sec. You thought this was slow, but you like fucking Passchendaele? Passchendaele is garbage, man. It is fucking garbage. It's like, Paul Gross, I don't know why that guy can't make a fucking proper movie. I just I just want to touch on this for a Listen, second. Listen, that's Canadiana right there. That doesn't make it that's good. I'm a Canadian. super proud Canadian. But, and, and Passchendaele was like a, like a legitimately big battle. But like... Wasn't the tagline like "Don't ever die" or something ridiculous? I don't remember. The yeah, tagline. it was like there, it was like but a that love story got me. Fuck you. 
That love story wrecked <laughs> on a perfectly good war film, uh, which I think was actually one of the like largest budgeted Canadian films yeah, too. I think like it did well, such a waste, such a waste. Um, Fuck but it, such a waste. anyway, but I mean, you know, clearly this film did not too bad because it had a two point eight million. Uh, these are Australian dollars, two point eight million dollar budget, and it made eleven point seven million at the box office. So I mean, it made it's made its money back. It won. Basically everything that could win in the Australian Film Institute. So I guess that's like their Oscars. It won Best Film, Best Director, Best Screenplay, Best Actor, Best Supporting Actor, Best Cinematographer, Best Editing, Best Sound. It got nominated for a Golden Globe. So, I mean, I mean, Peter Weir actually went on and has won like multiple Academy Awards. So, I mean, they definitely had a good person at the helm. Uh, like I said, I thought it was shot really well. The scoring in it was fantastic. Uh, it, you know, really, really sets the mood. You really get a feeling, especially when they're in the war scenes of just how badly, uh, the people like the generals at the top of the food chain, like they're like, Hey, yeah, like there's, they're supposed to be shelling and then they're supposed to attack. And because their you know, watches are all off They get told that the Turks are back in the trenches and they're like, yeah, I know, but they got to go. So they got to go and they just get mowed down. So, um, I, I would, I would recommend this film as like a, Sunday afternoon with my grandpa or depending on your age, like with your dad, you know what I mean? Like it's not, it's not a hot and heavy, you know, get down like machine guns kind of film. It's, there's a realism to it. And I, again, I think it's a, it's a drama with a, a war as a backdrop. Yeah. But I don't, I, I get what you're saying. Like, like for me, you know, this was my first and last time ever watching this movie. I actually, but. I actually watched this in history class with. Did you didn't go to Doyle, right? No. Yeah. So, uh, Miss De Silva was my history teacher, and she made us watch this as an example of the First World War. So, Miss De Silva, if you're listening, props. Did you say Miss De Silva? Um, yeah, Miss De Silva. Yeah. So. She yeah, did, yeah, yeah. She, she went to Benny's, didn't she? No, no. I was just saying, like, she just wanted to fucking watch Molly Gibson's dick, right? You see that in this movie? <laughs> <laughs> just an excuse. I, I right? noticed that you picked out that part, eh? Well, I thought it was freeze super frame, weird. Freeze like, frame. It, it's like, uh, okay, so we're in the middle of the war. You know, the ocean or whatever they're swimming in is getting bombed. But, hey, I'm going to pay some guys some shillings or whatever the fuck to, to go <laughs> swim naked, right? What? No, that's not what was happening. Are, are you asking about the money in the hat? Yeah. They are paying. What that is is it's like a like a lottery. They all throw in their money, right? And if you get injured, it's insurance. Winner takes all. So if you get hit by shrapnel... You get the the bucket of loot. Oh, that's why the they guy were was, paying to go swimming. I, I thought they were like, in the it was just ocean. like fucking paying. Like, okay, you know, I'm the lifeguard. I gotta pay, right? Oh, so that's why that guy was happy when he he got the fucking yeah, yeah, because he got that big sack of money. Yeah. Hopefully that he got you know got didn't get murdered as soon as he like went up uh, out of his trench the next day or whatever. Well, who knows? But yeah, like, and that was the thing, like them finding the gun at the bottom and just pretend to be shooting, then fucking. That's, I'm like, I'm like, when did they get to the fucking war? Was, <laughs> I'm like, is this what they're trying to say? Like, the war is them sitting on camps watching planes come in or boats come no, in? No, it's, again, it's because until they get into the war, they don't realize how hellish it is. So clearly, clearly you were not entertained by this film. I was not. I was not entertained. How did, like, what, did, what did you think of Mr. Gibson's acting? That guy's, like, he steals everything, right? Yeah, he's good. Like, yeah, this was and this is right before um this this is right before this is right before he did um 
Mad Max, I believe. No, he did Mad Max before Mad Max Roadrunner or Road Warrior. Yeah, he did. He did. He did this movie that we're talking about right now before Mad Max. The first one? No, the first one was seventy nine. This one's eighty one. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, the sequel okay. was eighty three. I think eighty three or eighty two. Are you that, sure about that? Roadrunner. Yeah, Roadrunner was after that, or War- Roadrunner. Fucking Road Warrior was after this. But I'm willing to put uh, some shillings in a hat to see who's fucking right. So anyway, at the, I, I really don't have much more to 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 like say about this film. I liked it. Like I said, I would definitely recommend you know watch it as an example of uh, of World War One. If you're just looking for a straight up like war film, yeah, maybe. Oh, you know what? Uh, if you just want to see like a really interesting film, uh, what is it? 1918, the the the, the new one that came out. 1917 that came out in 2019. Watch that. That's fantastic. It's beautifully shot. Uh, you're going to get a real sense of just kind of like the ins and outs of the war in a really short film. I think it's 90 minutes long. Um, before, our, before I kick it over to you, Scott, I am going to recommend three films. Uh, so uh, number three, Paths of Glory. It's, got a, it's from 1957, directed by Stanley Kubrick. It's got a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. Le Grand Illusion, which is a 1938 film by Jean Renoir. It's got a uh, 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. And the classic... All Quiet on the Western Front, 1930. It's got a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes and by Lewis Millstone. Anyway, that's it for me, Scott. Take us away. All right. Well, that's our rant for the day. Please like and subscribe our podcast. And every episode, we're trying to get better. Also, can you please hit us up on Twitter at How'd You Like That One or email at How Do You Like That Movie at gmail.com. And make some suggestions on some movies you would like us to to view, if we haven't viewed them, and review. Because if I have to watch another one of these movies that Chris suggests, I might just shoot myself. And that is it. Thanks. Production by Rod Shaver, Vader Monkey Productions.